you think you could never be vegan, you're in the right place. And if you think there's something big you would really like to do, but it's probably too late, you're in the right place. There has never been a more important time to be vegan. My name is Michelle Olander, and I'm here every week to encourage you and to offer actionable tips to limit and eliminate the consumption of animal products as you veg your best. Episode 157, What's a Capsule Kitchen and Why on Earth Do You Need One? With Maggie Keat. Welcome. Welcome and happy September, my veg, your besties. Whew, it's September. You know, I mentioned a few weeks ago that I think I may have the August scaries, and that's like, um, you may know the Sunday scaries, which I don't actually remember ever having had, but the August scaries, well, August is like the Sunday of the calendar year. But, but once September hits, there's no more time for that, right? Snap back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity. <laughs> and as mentioned a couple of weeks ago on episode 55, uh, 155, the theme for this fall is systems. Systems to help you actually follow through on what it is you actually do want. So if the back to school reality has you feeling uh, unprepared and untethered here on planet Earth, it could be that one of the systems you need is a capsule kitchen. What's a capsule kitchen? So today's guest, Maggie Keat from Planetarian Life, she's here to tell you all about capsule kitchens and why you might need one. Maggie Keat has a great website, newsletter, and podcast also all called Planetarian Life, and it's all dedicated to empowering each of us to take daily action on climate change by making plant-rich cooking easy, sustainable, and delicious. On the podcast, Maggie, her cookbook author mother, and cousin Laura, they meet at the intersection of real life and climate change, and they discuss how to create daily actions with a future they hope to create. And I think you're going to love listening to Maggie. I think you're going to love hearing her take on how the choices we make can actually support our families and our planet. And the system we might need right now is a capsule kitchen. So let's listen to Maggie. And I, of course, will see you on the other side of the interview. Maggie Keat from Planetarian Life. Welcome to Veg Your Best. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be on. Well, I, I ran into your work recently, and then I've been kind of binging on some of your content and signing up for some of your guides and listening to some of your podcast episodes. So you've got your very multimedia young woman. And I, um, I, I wanted everyone to learn about what Planetarian Life is, and especially something you've created called the capsule kitchen and how that can help with a plant-based uh, home. So yes. why don't you tell me a little bit about what brought brought you to this work? Well, uh, probably about 
gosh, it's probably almost 15 years ago now, I started eating more plant-based for my health. And I noticed a big change in how I felt. And I uh, was very encouraged to keep going with it. But as I kept eating this way, kept learning new recipes, kept reading more about the plant-based lifestyle, I began to understand the connection between what we eat and how it impacts the planet. And as soon as I learned that reducing our meat and dairy consumption is the biggest way that we can reduce our carbon footprint, I immediately had a shift in why I was eating this way. So like started primarily with health and then be, especially when I had started having children and I was focused on climate change and how what I could do personally in my own home um, to, to kind of lighten my footprint on the earth. And it was a challenge. I'm, I'm a cook. My mom is a nine-time cookbook author and food writer. I knew how to cook. I grew up cooking. But then I knew, like, as soon as I started removing meat and dairy from the equation, not entirely, but primarily, it was hard. It was hard to make that shift. And I knew that if somebody who was as competent in the kitchen as I was was having a hard time making this change, that other people were going to be struggling as well. And so I immediately made it my mission to help other people tra to transition away from a primarily meat-focused diet towards one that I call plant-rich or plant-forward. Because um, I'm, not, I'm not totally vegan or even fully vegetarian. Um, and I also thought that that brought a different perspective to to making this change having been on vegan blogs and vegetarian websites i felt there was a certain degree of judgment uh towards people who were not fully vegan or vegetarian and it made me feel unwelcome in those spaces and i wanted to um create a more welcoming third space where people could be on kind of sort of a sliding scale and feel welcome and like they could ask questions or that they could transition at a different pace based on where they were in their life or um, if they have children or um, for religious reasons, they needed to continue to eat meat and dairy or for health reasons. Um, so that was sort of the origin of, of Planetarian Life and the Capsule Kitchen. Well, I think that's great because your mother is a very formidable cookbook authority and and chef and i've enjoyed listening to her weigh in on some of your your podcasts and also with your cousin is in that as on your podcast right yeah so you both um you know your way around the kitchen yeah we do yeah i grew up at my mom's apron springs and, and that was one of the greatest gifts that she ever gave me is kind of a learning by osmosis how to how, not how to follow recipes but how to intuitively cook and I think that's one of the things that I'm trying to help people do, uh, learning to cook more plant forward and um, to make it easier to get plant-based meals on the table is to uh, sort of remove the need to rely completely on recipes and instruction and to be able to cook more intuitively, more with what you have, what you've got, more with the seasons and really more in tune with it, with the earth. So I, I, this brings us to the idea of the capsule kitchen. And one of the things I love is the way you break down, and I'm going to look at my notes here, your idea of breaking down how you 
to cook without a recipe. You just start thinking in these categories of ingredients, essentials, bases, formulas, classics, celebrations, techniques, and equipment. You might have a couple more there that I don't have written here. But I love that because I do think that's a little bit how my brain works. I've told everybody I've been, I, I'm a grandmother now. And I cook by assemblage. I just, <laughs> I kind of, I know yeah. a vegetable, a green, a grain, a, you know, beans. So I, I, I kind of put things together that way. And that's very simple for me. It's sometimes hard to explain to others. And I love the way you have, have, have put these bases together. So would you talk a little bit about some of them? Well, I, I would start by saying that the concept for the Castle Kitchen actually came from my books. Uh, actually, she did three on this subject called How to Cook Without a Book. And so she taught people formulas that would allow you to insert what you had. So instead of saying you need a bell pepper and corn and snow peas, it calls for a poundage of vegetables um, or, you know, her first book, How to Cook Without a Book, uh, had had meat in it. Uh, so it would be like a, a chicken breast with uh, different, you know, a pound weight of vegetables and then four or five different pan sauces that you could make based on, again, like what what you had or what you're, you're, you were craving. And I, people loved that book. And then because it freed them from the need to rely completely on one recipe. There's nothing more frustrating than coming to the kitchen and then realizing you don't have something and you have to run out to the store. It's like, I think what we're about is just lowering the barrier to entry, to getting people into the kitchen and to cooking and to make it just easier for people. Um, most of our recipes don't have more than sort of 10 ingredients. Um, they're simple. They're things that people readily have on hand. And and it all starts, uh, you know, one of the elements of the capsule kitchen is having a well-stocked fridge, freezer, pantry. And I don't mean by that, I don't mean overbuying because that can lead to significant food waste and things going out of date or spoiling, but just having a repertoire of things that if you have these things on hand, you know, you could, you always have a meal. It's like these, I call them my lifeboat dishes where it's a Tuesday night. I'm coming in the door with the kids, you know, I don't have a plan for dinner, but I know I've got eight or 10 dishes that just based on what I have in the fridge, freezer, pantry, I can get a meal on the table. Um, so that's sort of the first the first step. And obviously having some of the basic equipment to pull off those meals, we don't advocate for, we're not big on um, all the gadgets and tools and hot, you know Instapot. I mean, those are helpful to many people, but we don't have a lot of specialty equipment that we require people to have, but just things like, a great chef's knife, a good cutting board, um, a blender. I can't live without a microplane. That's something that's a little bit more niche, but just making sure you're setting the stage, you're helping yourself by just getting the stage, stage set with the right ingredients and the right equipment. And then there, are, as you mentioned, there are other elements, but it's honestly about getting getting a little bit ahead each week. So for example, one of the categories is essentials. And essentials are just little things that you make when you have a minute or you have some time. I, I 
I used to do it where I would just make two or three essentials on a Sunday afternoon uh, to help me throughout the week. But now I just make it when I have a little bit of time. Essentials are things like pesto, homemade bread, salad dressing, roasted pepitas, just little things that you keep in a jar tucked in your fridge or your pantry. And it immediately adds flavor uh, uh, or crunch or texture to meals and just gives it that little extra pizzazz or um, little extra flavor and fun to a meal. It can also just be the the genesis of a meal, looking in the fridge and being like, I have a really great lemon pesto. I can make a pasta dish with asparagus and peas and throw some white beans in there and I've got dinner. It's like, it's not only having that little bit done, it's also providing you with inspiration for, for what you can, what you can make. Cause I feel like that for me, that's half the trouble. Not even just the cooking, but just thinking what, what, what am I even going to make tonight? But if you already have some element or piece done, you know, you can, you know, you can do it. Um, Another uh, element in the capsule kitchen, and in fact, I just made a base yesterday. Um, so bases are something that you make in large quantity. It's, a, I would say it's a different form of, of um, meal prep or batch cooking, you know, where you make a lasagna, you know, two lasagnas or something, you put one in the freezer and, but we never really took to that because I don't like to eat the same thing multiple nights in a row. And so um, we make bases, which are something that you make in a large quantity, and then you use portions of it to flavor and use in different ways. For example, yesterday I made a big batch of our pecan meat, which is one of my favorite things on the website. And I used it last night to make, I flavored it with um, chili powder and cumin to make like a burrito filling. And we had uh, burritos. And then I've got some in the fridge and I've got some, some stored in the freezer. And I already know that I'll use the second batch um, or second container of it to make a bolognese style tomato sauce. So I'm not, e we're not eating the same thing again and again, um, but I've done all this work. Well, it wasn't hard work. I just threw it in the slow cooker, but I did the work. And now I have, again, inspiration and I've got part of the meal finished and just easily accessible and ready to flavor up in any different way. Um, to make a delicious plant-based meal. Well, I think what you're saying about the mental bandwidth is for many of us so much more daunting than actually cooking anything. The idea of planning it, thinking, yeah. looking through the pantry, the freezer, the what do I have? Do I have? So knowing that you have things you can always make a handful of of meals, go-to meals that people like, I think is is exactly what we want and it's what many of us have learned to do with animal products featured yes. in the meal. So that is one of the things I find people really uh, go, uh, what am I going to do? I don't know what to do. It's 6 p.m. I just had to, you know, I can't think about a new way of cooking now. And that is exactly the wrong time to think about a new way of cooking. <laughs> is it 6 p.m.? Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. So, this, so that's it what is. I love about your work is you have little things we can do bit by bit in terms of the techniques and the ingredients and the pantry to prepare and maybe not uh, the name of this podcast is veg your best because if you could just go plant uh, plant-based or vegan overnight you probably don't need to listen to me 
or listen yeah. to anybody yeah. else. Right. So this is for people who are still trying to like up, up their game and learn some new habits. And there's always more to learn no matter, no matter yeah. where you are in this continuum. So what's up, what's a meal that sometimes people say, well, I don't know what you eat. And I go, well, I eat everything except for, you know, meat, fish, dairy, and eggs. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what? So what's a couple of things that, that people can learn through, through the capsule kitchen to cook? Well, I think there's a, there's a, um, one of which is that particularly on our techniques page, just learning a technique for something again is going to help free you up from relying on a recipe. So we have on um, on that page like a technique for making uh, a green and grain bowl. Mm. And again, it's not like you need to have this and this and this and this and this. Or we have a how to make a really delicious salad. Again, not a recipe, just instructions and guidance for if you want to make, you know, we everybody loves going, well, I shouldn't say everybody, but many people love going to those um, salad spots where you can kind of assemble a salad based on kind of, they have those little trays of all these different yummy ingredients and stuff like that. Um, so this is telling you basically how they make that magic in a bowl so that you can recreate it yourself. You know, a salad or a grain bowl is not really delicious if you just toss some ingredients and try to enjoy it. Like there's different elements to it having, because we eat with our eyes as well as with our stomachs and our taste buds. And so, you know, we encourage people, sometimes it's, it's nice to use um, a mix of greens, not just romaine or just kale, but throw in some radicchio or some purple cabbage to give it some color and some crunch. Uh, you, you can use any type of grain here's a good ratio of greens to grains. And then you come to, it's nice to have a little texture, a little crunch, maybe some nuts or some toasted seeds. Uh, a little bit of sweet is, can be nice. Maybe some dried fruits. Um, how, you know, of course, and a really killer dressing never hurts any type of salad or grain bowl. But again, teaching people the elements of what makes a great um, salad, grain bowl, even a soup or a pasta dish. You're 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 learning the technique as opposed to just the recipe. Um, so I feel like we just go one step deeper, and I think it's the learning curve is a little bit steeper because you know who doesn't just like to you know follow if I follow this recipe and if I follow these steps, I'm going to have a great meal at the end. You have there's a little bit of trial and error. Um, but the failures will never be inedible because we make sure all of our recipes are tested by multiple people. Um, we have people who test our recipes to make sure that they work and that they can follow them. And we really have not had many failures. And if we did, they didn't make it onto the website. So you can definitely cook with confidence from our website, knowing that it, you may have to do a little bit more work on the front end, but it pays in dividends on the back end because you're going to really be equipped with knowledge as opposed to a standalone recipe that you can fall back on. I love, I love you use the term. I, I don't know if it was on your website or in, in the guide that it's a compass, not a map. I yes. love that. I love that phrase. And I think that's so that, that really indicates what we get with planetarian, uh, planetarian life and uh, the, and the, um, uh, capsule kitchen. So tell me, how do people like get, get, get the best out of your website? What are they, what can they learn there on the website and how do you, how do you help people? Well, the, 
one of the primary things that we tried to do is to help people to see the connection or the correlation between the animal agriculture industry and climate change and how we need to be we need to be moving towards collectively towards a plant-based diet uh, in order to mitigate the worst impacts of climate change. And that's something that I really try to, to focus on. Um, and I think the best thing to do is just to go, there's a tab called Get Cooking, where you can just go. And I feel like the best thing is just to get excited about something like, that looks good. I want to try that. Um, my kids might like that. And just get a little bit creative. And the way that I cook from the website is that I try to make about five things from the website each week. So I try to make two to three essentials. I try to make one or two bases and I'll lean on one uh, technique or formula. And I have you know, a husband, I have two kids, we both work, you know, we're those classic, like busy, overscheduled, overprogrammed people. And there are some nights when getting a meal on the table is a bit of a challenge. But for the most part, it's it's fairly effortless. The worst part is actually the cleanup, not the cooking. But I feel like if you could just go in, get excited about something, and then pick one, start small, just pick one thing from each category to try it. Just make one base, one essential, try one formula. Of course, there's some great things in the classic section as well for people who may feel like they're going to miss meat and dairy products. But if you go there, there's some great inspiration for dishes that we all love, uh, planetarianized or, you know, veganized. Uh, and just start there. And honestly, I think the proof is is in the pudding, so to speak. Like once you start cooking in this capsule kitchen type way, you're gonna see how it changes your your day to day. I don't I I don't ever have to feel stressed about like I have no idea I'm gonna have for lunch. I just need to go out and grab something or I've got to eat lunch or dinner out because I don't know what I have all the tools here and all the makings of good meals. And honestly, I feel like we are we are better for it. We are healthier for it because we're eating good, nutritious food all the time. And that's another thing I try to try to, to drive home to people is that what's good for the earth is good for us. And what's good for us is also good for the earth and really honing into that connection between planetary health and personal health. I love that we have um, no end of reasons to start leaning into some of these choices. You know, I always, I find a lot of moms um, yeah. feel like, uh, for me, I can't do that right now, but if they can somehow make it good for their kids or their husband or their in-laws or their parents, um, they can get, they can get behind it quicker or fat. Maybe that's just me, but I think a lot of us use our families as an excuse, but we also use it, use our families and the yeah. people we love most as an, as a, as an impetus to go a little bit extra and try something a little bit different. So many of us running around, driving our kids everywhere and trying to figure out how to give them the best options. <laughs> this is one of the best options we can offer them. Yeah. And I have a lot of experience with encouraging people towards a plant-based diet, not just with planetary life, but in my own personal life. I uh, probably about four or five years ago, I really tried to encourage my parents to make this step towards eating more plant rich because I think they had. Uh, they ate 
healthy, quote unquote, but more of like a traditional American diet. And my dad, who's very healthy, very fit, has um, high cholesterol uh, sort of genetically. It's just was passed on to him. And he went to the doctors and they were like, you know, you can we can put you on medications to bring this down, but you can also start eating more plant-based and you'll see results. Well, he stuck to it for, I can't remember if it was three or six months and he went back for a follow-up and the doctors were like, whoa, what did you do? And he's like, well, I just did what you said. And I ate primarily plant-based and his numbers had completely plummeted and he's been able to maintain healthy cholesterol levels through a plant-based diet. And I just like love that for my parents. Cause as you say, like I want the best for my parents. I want them to live long and healthy lives. And they have been so inspired by, and have really adopted. It took time. It wasn't overnight. It It's taken time, especially because my mom is from the South and she loves, you know, pork products and bacon. And, you know, it, you can take the girl out of the South, but you can't take the South out of the girl. But they have found so many ways to completely revolutionize the way that they eat. And I personally feel very good about that. On the other end of the spectrum, I have my kids who, you know, are not picky eaters, but they're the average, the average child who are skeptical of some things. And I'm so proud of the way that my kids eat. And I, I feel great. I still do cook. Um, I don't cook beef or pork at home anymore. Um, that's just off the table for me personally, but I still do cook for them chicken and fish, but I slowly, again, gradually over time. And I can't emphasize this enough that sustainable change made over a period of time is, is much more likely to stick than trying to just go cold Turkey. Some people work that way. It's how they function. But for us, it's been a slow and gradual process. And I'm so proud that my kids eat chickpeas and curries and eat broccoli out of the pan. And the other day I made zucchini fritters and I had made something else for dinner for my children, but my son came in and he said, mom, that smells good. And he was like, well, can I try one? Of course you can. And he said, you know, I didn't think I would like that, but I really do. And I think having, allowing people to go at their own pace, to be curious, and to find joy in eating this way, as opposed to it feeling like some kind of dutiful, sacrificial thing that you do for your health or for the health of the planet or for the animals. There's, there's, a, there's a joy in it and there's fun in it in the exploratory process of finding this new way to eat. Um, so I think you're absolutely right that love for your, your family, for your friends, um, for your neighbors can help you not only to transform yourself, but other people around you as well. And that is truly the most effective way to make change. Not what people read on the news or what they see on TV, but when someone cooks them a meal or shares something, uh, a dish with them that kind of really changes the way that they think about food. Yeah. And, and changes the way they think about someone who is plant-based or vegan or, uh, or, pescatarian that they have they, they don't feel limited by having limited some choices in in the way that they are um uh basically living as a, a conscious consumer in one way or another you know and i think that's something that people don't talk enough about is just how good it feels to 
be because food is such a big part of our lives but how good and satisfying and gratifying it feels to consume not just food but really anything in a way that feels like it's in alignment not only with your values but your hope for the future um and i i did not um i don't um i would love to know your patience for eating the way that you do but i did not primarily start um, as an animal rights advocate, or I'm not really even an animal person. I love animals, but I've never had a pet, um, and maybe someday. But again, when you start to look at how this food comes to your table, meat and dairy products, it gets harder and harder to feel like that's in alignment with any type of world that I want to live in. And so it really is across the board our personal health, planetary health, the animals, there's just, there's almost like no end of reasons why this is a better way to eat. And what I'm trying to do is just gently encourage the people who are in the, I feel like there's just, we live in a world of extremes right now uh, in so many ways. Um, and so you have like the diehard vegans and you have the committed, open up more space in between for people who are curious to feel like they can transition at their own pace and in their own time without feeling pressure or judged to be doing it differently. Yeah, because I don't think anyone, uh, Maggie, what you're saying is so is so helpful. People cannot become vegan if this is your goal as another vegan. They can't become vegan until they believe they could actually do it. Yeah. And, you know, another important thing that I actually wrote about recently is I don't think people know that adults' taste buds can change. People know that kids' taste buds are changing and growing, but adults' taste buds change uh, and are, uh, there's like a kind of like a rotation out every, you know, however many weeks, months, and you, you will learn to crave the foods that you maybe once didn't like or weren't interested in or didn't appeal to you. And I really experienced that when I first started eating primarily plant-based 10 years ago. Um, I, my, my mind, my taste buds, my soul wanted, you know, chicken or a bird. And then I realized kind of almost after the fact, I'm like, oh, I'm craving a bean burger now. I'm craving tofu. I'm craving kale and grain. Like it take it does take time. And that's why I like to make space for that. Because if you can just start eating these things and introducing them into your diet and into your lifestyle, you'll look back in the rearview mirror too and realize, gosh, I once craved those types of foods. And now I crave these types of plant-based foods. I think you're so right. And I, you apparently have some science to say about our, our taste buds. I know for sure, um, for sure that happened with me with fruit. I never liked fruit. Um, I didn't, I didn't go commit to a vegan practice until my fifties. Um, so about eight, eight, nine years ago. And I never, ever, ever ate fruit. And a couple years into being vegan, I was like an orange tasted just divine to me fruit i just loved it and i think it's a combination of the 
getting rid of some of these fake foods, you know, um, and um, overly, mm-hmm. overly oily, overly rich um, foods. But it's also, I think your uh, microbiome also communicates yeah. with your brain and you've been giving it different foods and it's telling your brain what you like. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It does. And I, I think also as a person who still does occasionally eat meat and dairy, um, I find that when I do have it, it feels so celebratory, which is how I think if you're going to eat meat and dairy is how it should feel. And it doesn't, it doesn't feel special when you're eating meat two and three times a day to have it. Whereas if I, I don't eat uh, beef products anymore at all and really not even pork, but if I have like a few weeks ago, we, my husband and I went for lunch and I got a veggie sandwich and he got a chicken, like some kind of a fried chicken burger. And he was like, do you want to split and have half a beach? I said, oh yeah, sure. That's fine. And Gosh, that it tasted so, so good to me. And I was like, it just felt like a moment, not just a mindless consumption. It felt like I'm really enjoying this. I really, but even, even at our holidays now, we've made our holidays basically, you know, plant-based, maybe vegetarian, maybe not fully vegan, but vegetarian holidays. And nobody's, nobody's really missing it. Or I mean, Thanksgiving's all about the side dishes anyway. Um, But it's, it's interesting. Like, I just think being, we can all do with being more mindful really across the board. I think we sleepwalk our way through a lot of life and just really waking up and being aware of, of how precious this earth is and just the gifts and the bounty of this earth that we can enjoy, that we get to enjoy and not taking it for granted and not buying into a system that basically isn't serving the planet, the animals, and most of the people on this earth. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think no matter whether you believe that um, as, as a species, that animal protein belongs in our, in our lives, I think almost no one believes that the industrial animal agricultural system is, is anything that's helping humanity. So, but I think that that's just having, and I, again, everything I say is not, is never in a judgment because I was exactly the same way. I went to the grocery store. I picked up those, you know, uh, vacuum packed things of meat, never thinking about where it came from, never thinking about what type of life that animal had had and enjoyed it without just even giving it a second thought. I was one of those people. But once you open up your eyes uh, to the reality of it, which I think we all know and are aware of, but we kind of tuck it back in our sort of almost unconscious minds because it's really too grotesque to really face full on. Um, but it's just an example of how one of the biggest examples of how we are just so out of alignment with, with the earth. Um, again, I wrote recently about, um, I mean, not specifically about like speciesism, but, uh, how, part of the problem with and why we are where we are with climate change and just pollution and plastics. And we humans believe and act as if we are at the top of a pyramid with everything else beneath us and that we have the right to sort of have dominion over all of this and do as we wish and do as we please. But really we live in a circle. Everybody is equal. And I think the quicker that we can get back to that 
it's almost an indigenous way of being and existing in the world, we'll see balance restored and equilibrium restored. And we would not be experiencing the climate chaos that is increasing each and every day. Well, I think so many of us are so emotionally and physically overwhelmed with the day-to-day of how do we get through today? How does everybody get where they need to get? How does everybody get fed? How does the bill get paid? How do I show up at my job? How do I, what, all the people that need me or my my money, how is that even going to happen today? So sometimes people like myself show up and people are like, whatever, (laughs) impossible. I cannot take on another thing. And so I love being able to show, um, introduce people like yourself and your work where I can, because it's veg your best. I just want all of us to do 1% different, not necessarily with food, but with some choice that they feel like they've got a little bit of bandwidth to make a better decision. Because those things do really mount up. And so where would people begin? Would they come to your website? What, how do they reach you, Maggie? What's the best way for them to kind of get, get your perspective and find you? Um, Certainly on Instagram at Planetarian Life, all one word. Um, and I think the way that I communicate the most regularly and really from the heart is through my newsletter, which when you go to the website, there's a prompt to um, sign up for the newsletter if you wish. And I can send you a link so that people can do that directly. Uh, but that's just a little, you know, a drip feed of inspiration each week, a little bit of encouragement a little bit of a little bit of knowledge that's going to encourage you on your journey some recipes to for the season to help you find your way around the kitchen a little bit better um we also have a column called one simple swap where it's just a little swap each week that you can make that benefits the planet and and you as well as always um and i would just say go peruse the website Look at the different categories. As I said earlier, pick a few, just two or three things to make and just see how getting yourself kind of ready for the week changes and transforms your mealtime. Of course, we have um, a printable as well, a guide to getting started in the capsule kitchen, which will tell you kind of all the things that we would recommend that you have in your pantry, fridge, freezer, um, the equipment that you should kind of have a little checklist of just to see what you have and what maybe you need to get. Um, and then start cooking, just get cooking. There's a whole page on the site, just get cooking, just begin. I know just start begin. starting is, is, is starting is 99% of it because you learn so much just by starting. You learn like, okay, that's not happening, which is valid. <laughs> or you yeah. learn to go, that was that hard. Like right now I've got the cucumbers are coming in fast and furious from my garden. Same. <laughs> After like one every third day, now they're just coming in. So I'm chopping them up and putting them in pickles, you know, to pickles and refrigerator pickles, not actually, you do not have the bandwidth for actual um, uh, fermented pickles in, in the, in the deep pantry, but I can make a quick pickle and that, and that's such, it's one of the things you talked about right in the beginning, some small thing that you can do that personalizes your food, that gets you a little yeah. bit more in touch. And it doesn't take any time to throw pickles into into vinegar basically the other thing i would say if you're just kind of getting started or if you find that you've been in a rut like you know you need to go a little bit further but you're not you haven't been inspired to do so is to set a personal challenge for yourself i find the periods of greatest 
culinary growth for me in the plant-based space are when I do, um, I did a challenge, uh, I guess last year called um, PB2, plant-based two meals a day. Just set yourself that challenge for even a week. I did it for two weeks, but you could do it for a week and you will grow. Your repertoire will build because you've exercised that muscle and you know, it's not forever. So it's not scary. You're like, I can, if I don't like this, I can go right back to how I was eating before, but I guarantee you, you'll find some new breakfast hack or, or, or formula or some recipe that your family just loves that you can add to your, to your growing repertoire. So I think a challenge is a good way if you, you need to get started, or if you need to go to the next, if you're ready to kind of progress to the next level, um, give yourself a bit of a challenge. I think that's great advice. And it, it's reminding me of something you said at the beginning also about equipment. Um, if you don't have a sharp knife or peeler or a cutting board that doesn't wobble all over the place when you cut on it, that might be the place to start too. So it's not just something yeah. that's making you crazy every time you try to like peel broccoli or, <laughs> yeah. or, or make a salad. So there's all parts of this. When you start, you will see what you need to focus on, right? If you, if yeah. you don't have the equipment, then that might be a place to just upgrade a little bit or even go to Goodwill and get another cutting board or something like that. Some it's of my best pieces of kitchen equipment are from Goodwill. I got, um, I got a, one of those huge Le Creuset Dutch ovens, fire engine red. It was brand new. I think maybe it had been used once for $40 a few wow. months ago. It's great at kit kitchen equipment at Goodwill. Yeah. Or even Facebook Marketplace is a great place to look for things. Yeah. Because people like myself are always going, you know what? I love that. I bought it or I was given it and I haven't touched it. So maybe someone else can use it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Exactly. Maggie, we're going to have the links to everything. We're going to have the links to your podcast, your Instagram, your website, and that great um, that PDF about how to get started with a capsule kitchen, which I think everybody should uh, should sign up for. And that comes with your newsletter, right? You'll get if they sign up for that, they'll get your yeah. newsletter. That's great. That's right. I think that idea of drip, drip, dripping, this podcast here goes out to people who are fully committed vegans and also to people who are just like wondering what Michelle's talking about and and all the people in between. And, um, and I think they're <laughs> all going to really, I think there's a whole group of people really going to be just delighted to get to know your work, Maggie. Oh, thank you so much, Michelle. I really appreciate it. A pleasure. A pleasure is all mine. And and please keep in touch. We'll throw things up on Instagram when you've got things going on. So everybody who follows Veg Your Best can learn all about what you're doing at any given moment. Thank you. Listen to her, your podcast, which is maybe a little less frequent than mine right at the moment. But um, I think getting to know your mom and your, your cousin, that's, that's a treat. That's a treat. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So? So? What did you think of Maggie Keat? from Planetarian Life. You know, I'm so delighted uh, to see how many more people are limiting and eliminating the consumption of animal products out of respect to this planet. You know, I know, I know for sure how it can really feel daunting, especially to busy families who are on that treadmill that I remember very, very well of just trying to get everyone to where they have to be more or less clean fed and on time. Maggie's life-changing, earth-saving capsule kitchen, I love that tag, uh, life-changing, earth-saving capsule kitchen. Um, you can follow it on her site, planetarianlife.com. 
um, and the links are all in the show notes. But I think no matter how familiar with or confused by vegan and plant-based cooking you are, you really are going to be inspired by her capsule kitchen plans. And you can follow them as specifically as she offers them, or you can really just be inspired by this concept because it's a system that can be as detailed or general as you want. But, but in keeping with the theme this fall, like all systems, systems just don't work by being researched and pondered and listened to, right? Systems need to be implemented. So I think this is the perfect time of year to give Maggie's Capsule Kitchen a try. So in the meantime, in the meantime, a very, very happy and healthy September to all of you, big and small. Even if you're not going back to school, I bet you know someone who is. And let's, let's support all those people who are either going to preschool or school for the first time or changing schools are um, some of us who have gone back to school after long hiatuses away from that process, from that, from that structure of a school. So let's, let's see how we can encourage each other. And let me know, let me know how I can encourage and support each of you as we go into this home stretch of 2023. You know, there is so much to do as citizens of this planet together. Let's not be overwhelmed by it. Let's be inspired by it, and let's encourage each other any way we can to do anything we can. All right? Until next week, guys. Veg your best. Veg Your Best podcast production, music, and editing by Charlie Weinshank. Thanks, Charlie. Before you go, it would mean so much to me and the Veg Your Best team if you would hit subscribe, leave us a five-star review, or share with someone you think might be interested. Something about algorithms, it helps bump us up a little in the rankings, and that's the best way to help others find the podcast and for us to find our audience. So, until next week, make it easy and veg your best.